So, they say that we're uh, living in a, uh, a golden age of media, right? Um, especially a golden age of TV. Um, and, and this is true across a lot of metrics, right? The production values the, and the budgets that go along with that are, are astounding. Um, the, uh, there are more shows being broadcast now across all platforms uh, than at any other time in history. So, not only do we have to deal with kind of all the shows we have to catch up on, but there's more shows than ever to watch right now. But also the, the, the storytelling and the, uh, the complexity of the, the issues and the, the multi-season dramas that we're uh, engaged with uh, are, are more, more dramatic than they ever have been, uh, that the craft is, is reaching uh, an incredible stage. Um, and within that, as, as Christians, we have uh, so much to engage with, so much to uh, digest, um, and, uh, and so little time. We only have 168 hours in a week, and uh, sometimes we have to eat, sometimes uh, some of us have to work or go to school. Um, that only leaves a few hours for uh, watching TV um, and maybe saying hi to some people we know. Um, and, uh, you know, they, one of the things, uh, there's a book that I relied on a bit while preparing for this talk. Um, that I would highly recommend. I've only read the first couple chapters, but um, it just came out. It's by Daniel Strange. He's a, a professor, um, and the book is called Plugged In, um, talking about uh, how Christians can, can be in this saturated media state. And one of the things he uh, pulls out in the intro to the book um, is that all of us spend a lot of our waking moments taking in and telling these cultural stories uh, research shows that uh, the average American consumes over 10 hours of media every day, uh, kind of social media, TV, etc. Um, and, and there's no wonder that it's been said that uh, Netflix's biggest competition isn't another company, but the human need for sleep. Because we're all binging shows, and sometimes we pass out on the couch, and we have to go rewatch those episodes. Um, and so, so in the face of this... Um, there's also, we're in a, in a moment in our culture and in our world where um, there's a lot going on and a lot of the cultural clashes, a lot of the discussions uh, are happening kind of around the media space, whether what celebrities do um, and how those stories are represented, uh, those questions of equality and representation, um, Me Too and, and questions of sexual ethics are being worked out both on screen and around screen, and we're figuring out how we filter a, an artist's content through uh, the content of their character, and all of these important questions um, in, the, in the context of this inundation of, of media. And so w- within that, we have to make choices about what we watch. Um, and so I want to approach this topic uh, from two passages that we've just heard. Um, but first, we'll take a step back and, and think about what TV is. Um, what is TV? And I think, you know, kind of more broadly, uh, movies would be included in this. Um, but there's two components, I think, that, that make it up. Uh, one is that essentially it's a story, right? Any, any television show, even a reality television show, it, it's a story. You're watching the drama of the individuals on screen, uh, whether it's a, a comedy or a tragedy, uh, they're working that out on screen. And, it's, and within a story, it's a way of describing our world and telling us what's, what's real about the world, whether it's you know, the blandest uh, you know, superhero movie where the good guys win in the end. Um, that's 
telling us something about the world, and, and we're engaging with that story, and, and that's shaping how we, we think about the world and how, how those superheroes get to the end of the movie. Um, that's, that's telling us something about uh, the world, whether we recognize that or not. And secondly, very critically, it's, it's images. There are images on screen that, um, and, and you know, psychologists will tell us that those images have an impact on, on how we carry forth our lives um, from that point forward, right? And those images affect uh, how, we, how we think, how we think about other people. Um, and this is why questions of, of representation and um, equality with what's, what's being shown on screen are so important today. Um, and as Christians, we don't just have to deal with that and, and how do we justly uh, rec- you know, affirm media that's, that's representative and uh, affirming of, of all of humanity. Um, but at the same time, we also have the morality that the culture would dismiss, but that the Bible upholds, right? Um, questions of, of idolatry and violence and immorality are also images that we're absorbing when we, when we uh, watch these. And so how do we deal with this landscape where we're engaging with these stories that tell us about the world and these images that are changing uh, how we see those around us. So I want to talk about two aspects. Um, one, from the first passage, we're going to talk about our mission as a church. And secondly, the kind of community practice of that mission. How do we work out that mission in, in real life? Um, so first, regarding the, the idea of, uh, of our mission as the church, um, it'd be probably useful if we summarized uh, the story that we're all a part of um, as, as members of the church, uh, we are called into Christ's body and into his church that, uh, that is centered on the gospel, right? And what is the gospel? It's that God created the world and, and Christ came into it uh, to rescue us, to show us what his new creation uh, means and looks like, and then dying to save us from our own decay, our own rebellion, and uh, resurrecting it to give us the power and the spirit to, uh, to move forward and, and carry forth his mission of, of sharing that message of, of God's love with the world. And we're in the middle of this, that story, where, and we're looking forward to that final episode, where uh, Christ returns and, and resurrects us, establishes his kingdom, judges those who reject him, and restores creation. And so we're looking forward to that final restoration. And so as we, as we engage with that, um, we look back at, at John 17, where uh, God, um, where Jesus is praying to God, and he's praying for his disciples and, and the church thereafter. And, um, and what is Jesus asking God for? Well, uh, there's three things I want to pull out of this passage, and, and some of these have been taglines in a lot of, you know, uh, ministry uh, uh, events. Um, certainly, I've, I'm very familiar with the taglines of um, being in the world but not of the world. Uh, a lot of Christians are familiar with that. Um, but let's, let's talk about those ideas. So Jesus specifically says they're not of this world. And I think as Christians, if we identify as a Christian... It's important to absorb that, that Christ assumes that we are not of this world. 
That, and, and what does that mean? Well, he's talking in this passage about being sanctified with truth and abiding in Christ. And, and what that means is that our core identity, that the story we are a part of, the most true story, is our identity as Christians and being sanctified by that truth and being hidden with Christ in God. We're looking forward to a new restored world. We're not just seeing the decay and the collapse and the hypocrisy around us, but we're looking forward and we're striving towards um, restoration. We're striving for wholeness. Um, And that doesn't mean that we aren't cultural, that we don't have identities um, that God has created and loves, but that those are part of our identity in Christ and are part of our identity within the church. And, And that is where our core hope is, our core identity. So we're not of the world. But he also says, I'm not asking you to take them out of this world. I'm not asking that you you know, uh, uh, remove them from the the culture and the world that they're living in. We are still in this world, and not just in this world, but we're in this world on purpose. God didn't want us to fly to some other planet or build a wall, um, but as a community to be in the world, and not just in, but he says we're sent in to the world, just as Jesus was sent into the world. We're sent in to carry the gospel, to carry God's message to the world. And that this gives Jesus joy, and it gives us a chance to participate in Christ's joy, is to carry that message forward. So, so we're, we're not in this world. We don't identify with this world. And so we have to be careful about um, slipping into that identity, identifying with this world. But also, we're sent into that world. I'm an immigrant in this country, And uh, I thought that, you know, reading Charles Dickens in in English class growing up, I understood the English pretty well. Um, But you guys have so many celebrities that have not crossed the pond. Um, So many uh, sitcoms that don't translate to American. Um, And so being here over the last few years, it's it's been a journey of learning how to communicate with um, another society. How to understand those references, or you know, watching uh, Gavin and Stacy, or uh, Only Fools and, and Horses, uh, or Fools and Horses, um, catching up on a lot, right? And and there's a lot that you miss about a culture if you're not embedded in it. Um, and Tim Keller, uh, he, a pastor in New York, sums this up well when he says that um, a lot of times we as contemporary Christians, he writes, believe Jesus is the answer. But often we're so deaf to the cultural forces around us that we present him as answering questions that people are not asking. Of course, because of sin, human beings often fail to ask the most fundamental question of all. How can I be, as a sinner, be made right with a holy God? And yet, the image of God in all people and common grace means that people ask some of these right questions. Who am I and what is the meaning of life? How can I find joy and fulfillment? And so we, as a community, need to engage the people around us. And to some extent, um, that requires understanding the people around us, understanding the people uh, that we work with, the, the kids these days, 
And for some of us, because we are embedded in, in cultural spaces and we're listening to the same music, these, this comes very naturally, right? That's, that's the easy part for us. And for others, it, it does take more work. Maybe we're, we're immigrants to a new country. Maybe uh, we're reaching out to youth and, and we don't uh, necessarily naturally listen to uh, the music they're listening to. Um, but it, so it does, take, it does take that extra work. But given this saturation of media, specifically in our culture, we need to be engaged. We need to be processing this um, so that we can complete our mission. So uh, turning to the, the second passage in the, the final few minutes here, there's a lot going on in this passage. Um, and it's you know, in the center of a, a, a book that covers a lot. So I'm not going to be able to get to every dimension of this um, because they'll drag me off stage uh, before. Um, and this passage is about eating meat in a uh, Roman uh, pagan world where meat was sacrificed to idols, which is not a conversation that we really care about today. Um, in our, our Western context, outside of uh, some religious communities, sacrificing to meat and, and you know, purity around your food choices isn't really a problem. Where it was a very big problem that Paul spent an entire chapter writing about because it was a hot-button issue. It was dividing the church. Um, and the reason my thoughts were brought to this passage is because in conversations over the, uh, my life as a, a Christian, this, is often, this passage is often used, that the, the buzzwords out of this passage are often used in this conversation about what we watch a lot of times. Don't judge is uh, probably the most you know, quoted Bible verse, I think, in the last you know, 10 years um, for, by Christians and non-Christians um, in order to shut down conversation. And uh, the other side is don't put a stumbling block um, coming out of, of purity culture and uh, the, the need to, to raise walls to protect people, there's, there's, that's often used. But what Paul says both of these things in this passage, and, and what, is he, what is he getting at? Um, I think there's two reflections for us uh, tonight that hopefully can, can feed into our discussion. Um, one is that he's writing to a community, and this, is, this is, passage is about processing our culture as a community. And secondly, that individually we have to recognize that ultimately we are accountable to God and God will judge us and, um, and will hold us accountable for the decisions we've made and for the ways we've ignored his spirit and, uh, and acted um, outside of, of what he's uh, prompted us to individually. So in terms of doing this as a community, um, Paul is writing this passage about don't judge and don't be, you know, roll your eyes at people that abstain. Um, he says both of these things. Uh, and these both, if, if, we, if we respect these two principles of don't judge and, and don't despise, um, these are key to keeping the conversation open, uh, to keeping the, the, the dialogue about what is acceptable within uh, our, our homes and in our communities um, so that we can, we can work on these things. While something might not be sinful in and of itself, um, is it having an effect on, on those around us or on ourselves that we aren't being honest about? Um, on the other hand, uh, w- while we don't want to shut down the conversation with don't judge or rolling our eyes at somebody um, or judging somebody, 
On the other hand, we need to be receptive to the input of others. We need to engage in this conversation. Um, how can we know if what we're, our, our choices, our media choices, are causing somebody to stumble unless we're in each other's lives and we're being honest about what we struggle with? If, if I'm not being honest uh, about that, not only am I not, you know, being accountable to God, but I'm not allowing you to support me. Um, and is there something I need to give up for my sibling's sake? I think within a, a, a very tangible example is within the context of a, of a home where um, everybody is, is a, a brother and sister in Christ, um, families processing what their kids are watching and, and making decisions and having a dialogue about um, what those standards should be for the, for the home and, and modeling this Christian engagement of, of filtering these stories through the lens of the gospel. So in terms of keeping this dialogue open, we, we want to be leaning on each other um, so that we can understand uh, the implications of what we're watching, but also we need to practice um, filtering these stories through the lens of the gospel. Um, what is the truth that these shows are, are telling us, and, and how does the gospel answer these questions that are raised by the show, and, and how can I connect with my friends and connect my friends to the gospel through these stories that are being represented. How do we take the conversation from did you hate that last episode to um, what does this episode tell us about life? What, what do we think about the, the choices these characters are making? Um, and we need practice doing that. We're really bad at it. Um, oftentimes we keep it at a surface level both within the church and, with, and outside of the church. And we aren't processing those stories and, um, and taking the conversation further um, to the gospel. So we need to do this as a community. We need to be open to each other, um, open to discussing this with each other within our small groups, within our homes, within our, our WhatsApp groups. Um, and then individually, we need to be honest um, and we need to recognize that God will judge and hold us accountable. It's not a time to be wishy-washy or just to switch off and, and just you know, let, it, let, it, uh, let it flow. We need to be making actual choices. And, and the community helps us with this. The community helps us to make these choices and to actually be thinking about what we're watching and the decisions we're making. Um, and within the community as well, uh, as we engage with culture and co- important cultural stories, um, we need to be honest about what are my challenges and temptations? What do I need to avoid? Um, where do I need help and support if, if I am watching something that, uh, that is difficult, that leads me um, into uh, sinful habits or, or a depressed view of the world? Um, what, and, and what do I need to avoid? As, as a church, we are completing our mission. We need to engage with culture. We need to understand it and, and speak intelligently about it. But individually, we don't need to be the ones to watch everything. If we refrain because of our doubts or, or specific uh, sins that we struggle with, we should do that, and we should seek the help of our, uh, our brothers and sisters to do that. We don't have to engage with every dimension of it. Um, right before this passage where Paul is talking about processing this and not judging and don't despise, um, 
He says uh, in the tail end of chapter 13, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, And in some other uh, passages, there's a a phrase um, about not letting the devil get a foothold, right? So as individuals, we have to be honest about this. We have to honestly process what are we watching? How is this affecting what we're thinking? And, um, and is this something that's um, acceptable? So I think within this, that there isn't, you know, I haven't given you the, the three points about what is acceptable and what's not. There's not a list. Um, because we need practice in, in uh, figuring this out as a community. We need to start having this conversation um, and, and being open to each other and, and being open to being challenged by each other to say, why are you watching that? How do you, how do you process uh, the, the violence or the sex in, in this show? Um, and we need to think through these questions. We need to think about, how am I processing this? Am I pretending it's not there? Am I uh, uh, avoiding the conversation? So it, I think to, to, to close... Um, it's not going to be easy, but it's also not going to be predictable. Um, and the answer will vary from time and place. It will vary person to person. Um, and we need to lean on each other, lean into each other, and, and get practiced at processing these things through the gospel and, and making these decisions about uh, what we actually uh, watch. I hope that has given you um, some food for thought. Do you want to just wait here for a second? Because I'm going to bring everyone else up. Um, Yeah, some questions have already started coming in. Um, So please do, uh, we're going to break for refreshments in a minute. Please do um, text your questions in. Uh, Phone signal does seem to be working. um, But if it isn't, or you don't have your phone, or don't own a phone, then um, there is paper and pens on the tables. Just before we do that, I'm going to invite up the panel to introduce themselves so you know who they are, um, and yeah, you can see who you're going to be addressing your questions to, so if the panel want to make their way to the front. Um, I'm not going to let you speak again, because you've just spoken for 20 minutes. This is Soren. Um, anything related to the talk, feel free to um, yeah, address your questions at him. Evening, everybody. Um, my name's Chris, if you don't know me, assistant minister here. Um, I've been on a bit of a journey with TV. I would say I grew up loving TV, obsessed by it. My family found it very annoying. Um, but uh, whereas now, I, since I got married, actually, six years ago, we've only had six months, I think, when we've had live stream TV, actually. We just started not being married, uh, mar- being married without TV. And uh, uh, quite enjoyed not, being, not having a live TV. Um, so that's been my journey, particularly. Hi, I'm Charlotte. I'm the uh, trainee youth worker here at St. John's, and I'm going to be coming at this from a youth work perspective, so thinking about what young people are watching and how we should engage with that. Hi, I'm Chloe, um, and we don't have live stream TV in our house, so everything that we watch is kind of a deliberate choice to watch it, so that's kind of the point that I'm coming from. Amazing. They are your panel. Um, yeah, direct any questions their way. There is tea, coffee, and all the donuts um, over here, so please do come and grab them, send your questions in, have a chat. Off you go.
Is there some type of media that I need to give up so I can understand and worship God better? Did you want to, Chloe? Um, for um, this, I, um, there are a few verses that come to mind in the Bible. Um, the first one being about telling us to be um, a light for um, Jesus. And there's a verse in Philippians. Um, it's... So Philippians 4, verse 8, that says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Um, and there's another verse, another one that you all know. Um, And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think that there are kind of two uh, key things that we do in our walk with God. One of them is to develop ourselves um, and the way that we are as Christians to become more Christ-like. And the other one is thinking about our witness towards other people. And so with the first verse, it's like our... um, kind of what we are watching and what we're engaging in with the media, are we um, producing, are we kind of allowing those good things into ourselves so that we can develop ourselves? And then when it comes to other people, what is it that other people are seeing of us? So the kind of fruits of the spirit, what we're engaging in, is that allowing other people to see um, the fruit of the spirit in us? Or is it something that could be a stumbling block to other Mm. people? Great. Charlotte, did you want to pick up in terms of um, social media? Yeah. Um, so thinking about social media, um, an experience that I actually had was one Lent. I was noticing that the first thing I was doing waking up in the mornings was checking Facebook, checking Instagram, checking Twitter, um, looking at all of that before starting my day doing anything else. And so I think one thing that you practically can do in order to... Um, build your relationship with God is not necessarily get rid of it but what I did is I deleted all the apps off my phone for a while and I just had my Bible app on my phone so the first thing I started doing in the mornings was opening up the Bible and reading God's word first before then doing anything else Um, and I think if it is something that you're noticing that especially with social media it's something that's sort of taking over a little bit like you're checking Facebook Instagram all the time um, rather than engaging in conversation with people or reading your bible or spending time in prayer then a practical practical thing you can do is to get rid of the apps on your phone or have a time of fasting from it or um being accountable with someone and being like you know what i spent this many hours looking at facebook and haven't read my bible for a week like yeah yeah i think accountability there one small note on that you know there also are a lot of um, you know technologies now that can help help you with that you know so if if there is an addiction to a certain app or um, what have you um, you know a lot of the platforms Android and iOS uh, uh, have have built into their platforms you know the ability to limit this and uh, get some visibility over that so I think you know just there are tools out there if, if we're open to using them. Great. Um, we've had a few questions quite similar come in around um, judging and things like that. So I'm kind of going to try and 
merge them. Um, so we've got, should I correct Christian friends who are watching films which I think are anti-Christian and unedifying? And along the same lines, is it okay to judge or challenge another Christian if they're watching something that is, in your opinion, inappropriate or unhelpful? And within that, how do you hold people accountable without being perceived as judgmental? Sorry. I'll start. I mean, I think, uh, I think it's important to have that conversation. Um, but I think that, you know, as with any difficult conversation, um, you, should be, you should pray about it. You should think carefully about how you word it. Um, people, you know, are very sensitive about uh, input on their choices. Um, and I'm very sensitive, you know, talk to my wife, talk about how sensitive I am. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but we grow through those conversations and we grow through learning how to have those conversations in a healthy way. So um, I think uh, opening up that dialogue and, and thinking through the right approach for that person, how can you engage in that conversation? Maybe, maybe it's an open-ended question about um, how they're processing that story or... Um, or what it what it means to them, um, and then you can you can build the conversation from there. And if there are significant concerns, you know, um, keep having that dialogue, keep praying, and uh, but I think it is important to have that conversation at some point. Yeah, I'd really echo that in wanting at least some kind of conversation uh, if that is necessary, and um, it would be, would be fantastic just for that to be kind of in one sense the norm of wanting that as church that we expect that we want the best for each other, we want to grow in our relationship with God, and we want to be appropriately open with each other. Uh, But it does take wisdom, and um, we we mustn't condemn each other, uh, but we must take opportunities to understand uh, the other person's point of view, perhaps, and um, perhaps kind of think about, put yourself in that person's shoes. Uh, If you wanted someone... If you're doing something that you actually wasn't great for you and you wanted someone to help kind of help you see that, uh, how might you like them to approach you and start that conversation? That might be just a helpful way forward. Um, I think it's also the beauty of having a Christian community like here at St. John's especially um, is that you have those relationships and you can build in a culture of um, giving people permission to challenge you. Um, I would hope that from a youth perspective, and you can ask the young people if this is true or not, that's fine, Um, that I would hope that if they did feel they were struggling with something that maybe they were watching, that they could come talk to me, and I could, like, we could have that conversation in a way that is just because we care for them. Um, And I think that's something that can be modelled throughout all of church, so having those, um, we we have small groups here at St John's, so if you're part of a small group, um, getting to know those people and having giving those people permission to be able to speak into your life in a way that is helpful, um, I think is really important. Great. We've also had quite a few questions around ratings and um, people's opinion of ratings. Um, So what do you think about ratings, as in uh, if a film is a 12 or a 15 or an 18 or a PG? Um, And should people um, who have brothers and sisters or friends um, who are a certain age and they're not, should they be allowed? Is that kind of a parent's prerogative or is a 15, is a 12, a 12? Chloe? (laughs) 
Um, there's a really good website out there called commonsensemedia.com um, that tells you what the content is in the film rather than just what the rating is because the rating has obviously been decided by someone who isn't a Christian, probably. And so what they might be think is appropriate for a 12 or 15-year-old or 18-year-old might be very different for you as a Christian. And so sometimes I think it's helpful to look at a website like that instead and look at the actual content and then decide if it's appropriate for that age rather than just relying on the sticker on the front of a film. Uh, To add to that, um, I mean, Scripture would tell us to kind of obey our authorities, the authorities of the land. Uh, So I think we need to take that seriously um, when it comes to ratings. Um, and they, they can be a guide, of course, but I just say to, to look behind, um, not just to rely on the guide overly, in the sense of also looking at kind of, yeah, the content, the story, the, um, uh, the view of the world that that film might um, promote, and what would be um, honoring to God in that view of the world, or what might not be honoring to God. And um, so, um, in an ideal world, perhaps you'd watch every single film first, but maybe that's not possible, or every single show. Uh, but to have that in mind, certainly. Um, great. Chris, do you want to ask the question that came in about the news that I think is over there? Yes, of course. Um, you had a question about, um, uh, is it important to, it, it, it is important to watch news media um, because this helps us understand culture and society and what's going on. Uh, but also, there's also so much false and misleading. Uh, so kind of, what do we do with that? Um, I think that's a really, really helpful question um, because we do want to um, understand what is going on in the world and in our society um, so that we can care for it, um, you know, understand it, um, respond to it in a, in a godly way and have a, con- a godly concern. Um, and it is uh, appropriate to seek what is, what is true in what we hear. Um, and the reality is that, that is often difficult um, so at least we have to just pause and not assume, of course, that everything we read uh, or hear is wrong or right. Don't assume either way. Um, so have an open mind in that sense.